Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. If we could crack that door open, baby, and let some of that cool, cool air in here, I know. I know, but it's hot. Amen? It's hot in the house today because the Spirit of the Lord is here. Yes? Yes. So usually I get up here and I say something at the beginning about how uncomfortable this is for me to do. And I have recently been convicted by the Lord that it is an honor for me to be able to do this. No matter how uncomfortable it may be, I'm grateful for the privilege. Yes? So that's what you're going to be hearing come out of my mouth going forward. Let's open in prayer, and then we will get to it. Jesus, thank you so much. Father God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the spirit of God that is in this house today. Lord, I pray that you would come rest on us. Your people are ready to receive. This is fertile soil, Jesus. Have your way, have your way. And all of God's saints said, amen. As I moved along in what turned out to be an insanely, insanely busy week, and I just prayed for the Lord to, to come forward and, and give me the word for today. Uh, as the week progressed, we had an amazing message and teaching from our own Angie here about freedom from fear and anxiety that was applicable, it was biblical, it was word excavating truth, amen? It was made to be practically applied to our lives in an, any given moment. And after that being knocked out of the park, I was like, okay, Lord, how are we going to re-up on that one? Like, what you got for me coming off the back of that? And as I prayed and I went into the week, there were little things that stuck out to me, and I was, but not like a full solidification. And it wasn't until the end of the week that all of those tiny little pieces actually came together and I got what the Lord wants us to go through this morning. As we progressed last week, going through what was a community felt grief and loss, I, I watched some of my best friends go through one of the hardest things. We watched some of our best friends go through one of the hardest things that we ever have to deal with here on earth, the death of a loved one. Going into the weekend of the Sen, which was a 10-hour prayer and worship event, stirring up the heavens, and then into a week of in the thick of it, ministry with our community. The Lord is saying one thing. He is present. He is moving in Grand Rapids. He's moving at Takeover Church. He is moving in and amid his people. Amen? The thing that stood out to me to speak on this morning is actually one giant long run-on sentence. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take after Paul here. I'm going to give it to you. Three chunks in one long sentence, okay? This was the thing that stood out to me as being the most important this week for us to talk about. Freedom. The kind of freedom that comes with knowing the full truth of God. How knowing the full truth of God will be a blessing and anything less than the full truth of God will be a curse. And how that impacts us being in the world and not of the world. Yeah? yeah? So as many of you know, I got to preach a month ago to about 150 uh, young students. Uh, some were, most were in high school, some were getting out of high school and going into college. And I got to speak to them a word surrounding identity, who they are in Christ, and how they would be hated by the world. Really light stuff, right? The beautiful thing is, is that Gen Z is hungry for the word of God. They're hungry for truth. They're sick of the fraudulent and the phony. They want the real, real deal. So they soaked it up like a sponge because they are growing up in a way that we can't even imagine with direct access to any and all forms of digital distraction. The world is screaming at them about division and doubt and death from every social platform available. They're at such a crucial time in their lives, they're about to step from underneath the covering of their parents' love and devotion and compassion 
into the clutches of the spirit of the age that wants to chew them up and spit out the bones. This is the reality of what this looks like for Gen Z. It is a crucible they are getting ready to go into. They're going to back to school and they're gonna get hit with 100 megatons of spiritual warfare surrounding their gender, their identity, their personal ideology. I needed to make it very, very clear to them with the time that I had with them that they were chosen, seen, loved by God. And as easy as it was at Camp Shiloh to rah-rah around Jesus, they were getting ready to go into a desolate world where that rah-rah situation wasn't going to be the same thing reflected in the people around them. And as much as that word was true and good for them, that word is true and it is good for this house as well. It is good for us. My sermon today is called The Blessing Way. And we're coming out of John 15 and then we're coming out of John 17. So if you want to turn to John 15, 18... starting in verse 18, if the world hates you, be aware that it hated me first. 19, if you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you do not belong to the world and I chose you out of the world, for, the reason, for that reason, the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, then they will also persecute you. If they obeyed my word, they will obey yours too. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they do not know the one who has sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, then they would not be guilty of sin, but they no longer have any excuse for their sin. The one who hates me hates my father too. And if, he had, if I had not performed many miracles among them, that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they've seen the deeds and they have hated both me and my father. Now this happened to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the advocate comes, whom I will send for you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you also will testify because you have seen me from the beginning. Amen, amen, amen. Flip forward to John 17, verse 14. Water break. I have given them my word, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but that you would keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Set them apart in truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the spirit of God alive and active within us. Jesus, we love you. Amen. If you are a Christian in the house today, I would like you to close your eyes, still your hearts, and repeat after me this morning. I am a child of God. Louder. Chosen and redeemed by love. Washed by the blood of Christ. Who died so I could be forgiven of my sin. I'm a holy priesthood. This is my testimony. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? Do you really? I'm glad to hear that. What I am finding, however, within our community and with the, within the bride of Christ at large is a lack of belief in those simple statements. And I'm not talking about a total lack of belief, I am talking about a partial belief in those statements. The saints are struggling to believe that they are not only loved, but they are also chosen by God, not partially forgiven, but completely 
forgiven, completely forgiven from their sins. Not shrouded in the shame of a past life, but wrapped in the blessing of life and life to the full that comes with the complete freedom in Christ. Amen? And that it's not good behavior that determines our blessings, but it is the blessings from God, freely given, that determine our good behavior. Do you hear me, people? I'll say it again. It is not the good behavior that determines our blessings, but the blessings from God freely given that determine our behavior. Amen? This is coming from somebody who was raised Catholic, okay? I know all about religion. I know all about behavior, good behavior to remain in the graces of God. And less, it's less about complete and utter redemptive power of Christ's blood and his love so freely lavished on us that it recalls us to holiness. It draws us to righteousness because we serve a God who is holy and is righteousness and we want to be like him. We won't let anything separate us anymore, including sin. It is the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. Amen? So we crucify our flesh. We kill the sin nature that seeks to live within. We repent, we confess, and we open ourselves up to the painful pruning that the Lord shows us in so many ways is necessary for there to be less of us and more of him. It is revealed to us the deadly, deceitful, destructive power of our own selfish will. And with relief, we crawl up onto the altar and we die again and again and again. And we don't quite look like ourselves anymore. We grow up in our salvation, like Peter talks about, into a world that is very loud, very powerful, and very much in our faces all of the time. We grow up in our salvation, past and beyond being snagged by sin, into being hated by a world that no longer understands us. Yes? In the first passage from John 15, Jesus is teaching his disciples his friends, his family, the men who would be the foundation of the early church. He's teaching them. He's telling them to get ready. Things are about to change in a very big way. As they're getting ready to celebrate the Passover meal, he's telling them that things are about to radically shift for their personal time that they have here and for the time that they have beyond his death and their own death to come. In the second passage, Jesus is praying over his disciples and in turn praying over us. He is remarking that we are in the world and not of the world. In both passages, he mentions numerous times that he will be hated and in turn, we will also be hated by a world that will not understand us. A world that will mock us, will persecute us, and will desire to see us suffer because we have chosen him. I know you all are thinking this morning, oh great, a light message, <laughs> right? This seems heavy, but it seems heavy because we're not seeing it fully yet. There is a greater freedom where the truth, it can sometimes seem heavy, but there is so much more power and freedom and encouragement in knowing that we don't serve the world. We serve a God who is greater than, more in love with, more obsessed with us than the world could ever be. With its ever-changing theologies, betrayals, empty promises, and destructive nature. Today, I want to encourage us all that yes, while we are here on earth, these times will be challenging for the believer. But we are equipped, blessed, and backed by the God of creation, amen? We have to believe who he is completely, not halfway. We have to believe in who he says we are, completely, not halfway, 
Can I get an amen? Let's say it like this. Believing the truth fully is a blessing. Believing it halfway or not at all is a curse. Thinking God will move on the behalf of others and then excluding ourselves and thinking that he wouldn't do the same for us is a lie. I've seen way too many Christians believe. Are you hearing me? All the blessings from God, miraculous healing, wonder-working faith, provision, deliverance, complete forgiveness, hearing our prayers, that is for us all, not a select few. Not just those who don't break the rules. Everyone, regardless of their past. Do you hear me this morning? It is that blessing that all of the truths of God are for all of his people, all of the time, that will engender in us that behavior of holiness and righteousness instead of striving to get holy, to get a blessing. Let's look at some of the scripture from John. Verse 18. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me first. Jesus starts by saying, unto me first and then unto you. He isn't asking us to live or die for that matter under anything that he wasn't willing to walk through himself, right? He isn't asking us to endure anything that he hasn't already endured. They reject you, they rejected him first. They hate him, they hate you, they hated him first. They broke your heart, they abused you, they used you shamefully. They betrayed you. They took advantage of you. They beat you and they murdered you. They did all of that to him first. Verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But they no longer have any excuse in their sin. Jesus came, God in human form, to walk among us. To see every kind of brokenness, hurt, human failure, the sick and disgusting things that we do to ourselves and to each other. And he, all he did was heal and comfort and die to become a bridge between us and God the Father. Amen? He's saying here that if he hadn't come and shown them the truth, they would not be guilty. But they've seen too much and they still choose to reject him. There is now no excuse for their sin. They have seen and experienced the truth and they have chosen exile. They've chosen destruction. They've chosen death. Verse 25. Now this happened to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without reason. Now this is one area where Jesus is completely unlike us because he is completely without sin. He's blameless. He never wronged anyone. In fact, he came to serve onto the very cross that broke his body. He came with purpose and in all of his perfection, he was hated without reason, without cause. Now everyone here is human. We've all sinned and I'm sure we've given people a reason to hate us at one time or another. Yes, real reason. I'm talking about real reason. We've, we've done awful things. We've hurt people. Jesus stands alone in that he never did that. And in accepting him as a perfect covering and provider and shame eliminator, he can give purpose to our being rejected by the world. Instead of the world rejecting us and hating us because we're evil and we've done evil things, like Hitler, right? Guy is easy to hate because he was evil. Amen? We encounter worldly hatred because we are holy instead. And the reason that they hate us is because of the Savior we have in Christ and how he has changed us to look not like ourselves, but more like him. Verse 26. When the advocate comes whom I will send you from the Father... 
the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will also testify because you have been with me from the beginning. To testify, as we know, means to bear witness, to show proof, to give evidence. As believers, we testify not only with our mouths, but with our faith and our trust, our actions, the things we allow in and the things that we do not. With our very lives, we are proof of Christ. Does it always feel good? No. I don't think Jesus being scourged, whipped, betrayed, and ultimately pinned to a cross with his broken body exposed felt good. Thank God we don't live by our feelings. Amen? Right, people? We don't live by our feelings alone. Yes? But thank God. Thank God for the perfect image that he is, for the perfect example of suffering, long-suffering, and freedom. Jesus mentions the advocate, the spirit of truth, that he is sent to testify to us by the spirit of God living within us, directing us, teaching us, growing us, challenging us. Through the process of our lives, we become a testimony that speaks louder than any message that could ever be preached. Are you hearing me this morning? You don't have to be in a place of leadership within a church. You don't have to be a pastor or worship leader to minister, to pray, to heal through the power of Christ and see the kingdom come. You don't have to be on stage ever one day in your entire life. You don't have to do that to have a testimony that will speak louder than anything any of us could ever say from a stage. Each of you has a personal ministry with your family, to your friends, your coworkers, to the strangers in your life. Each of you has the same connection to God as any pastor on earth right now. Same connection to any prophet, same connection as the holiest person you know. You have the same connection with God. Are you hearing me this morning? Each of you should be praying, reading the word, allowing the Holy Spirit to cultivate within you a power, a potency, a world-changing movement of heaven running out of your life and into the lives of the people around you. A large part of this journey is about not fitting in. That's why the local church is so important. Amen? We come together, many parts, many different parts, to form one body. That is the local church. That is the bride of Christ. As a holy race, as a royal priesthood, a large part of this journey is about not fitting into the world, and this is why we will continue to gather. We will continue until he returns. Jesus knew we would be encountering great trials and tribulations when we accepted him as our master. After explaining in John 25 that Jesus has gone before us to begin the work and suffer hatred of the world first for us. In John 17, he turns to God the Father in prayer that the work that has been started would continue in us. So John 25, the work has been started for us. In John 17, he's praying that the work would continue in us. John 17, 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. We are a chosen people. We've been given the gift of the word and the world hates us because the word within us separates us from them. We belong to God. We do not belong to the world. The word within us changes us. It makes us not like other people. It's the, that cultivation that makes us strange. It makes us holy. It makes us to be set apart. And Kelsey, if you want to flash that thing up there for me, 
That's why we have been going all year long how important it is for you guys to be in the Word of God. We paid for this Dwell app so all of y'all could have this at your, in your hands all the time so that you can be dwelling in the Word of God, that it can be getting on the inside of you, changing you every single day. Amen? Amen. Listen to me. People who engage with reading, in, with, who engage with reading the Bible four times a week, because I know we all like statistics. They're tasty little tidbits that we can remember. Four times a week, 228% more likely to share their faith with others. Four times. 57% less likely to look at pornography. 57%. 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness four times a week. Three huge areas that we've all, most of us have been touched by, some of us still struggle with. One, evangelizing, sharing our faith. That's pretty challenging for most of us, yeah? But we're getting there. We're getting there, yeah? Two, looking at porn, which is one of the most destructive sins of our time. Three, loneliness, which has touched each and every one of us in this place. All three areas are very important to this community at TakeOver. We put all of our time and our energy and our emotion into touching all three of these aspects in a great, great way. These are all areas within our personal community that we need to continue to pray over and lean into. And that's why we support them here. How much further would that work and support of the church go if each and every one of us was getting into the word every single day, being changed, being altered, being connected to Christ? How much more would that support the work that's being done here at TakeOver? How much further would those efforts go, amen? We're gonna keep hammering this. Be in the word. Be reading it every day. Let it actively change you. Are you hearing me this morning? Verse 15. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. We're in the world with a purpose. And that is why God has us here. It isn't just luck. It isn't just happenstance. We are here with a purpose. Or else he'd probably take us home if there wasn't work yet to be done, yeah? We are here on mission for the kingdom. Jesus is praying for protection from the prince of the air, the king of the world, the Satan, the enemy, the spirit of the age, the evil one. He's praying for us to be protected, pleading on behalf for our protection. So the calling and the path that he has marked out for each and every single one of us will be a path and a calling that we can walk to its fullness. We can complete. Verse 16, they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Jesus here again stating that we are, not in, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Jesus' rightful place was with God. That's our rightful place, is with God. When I preached this to the kids, I called it within and without, to be in two places at once. We're here in the earth, but we are also in heaven. And when we worship like we do, we come together and we worship, it gets thin. The space gets thin. And like Matt make, likes to say, we puncture, we pierce that veil. And we're in two places at once. Earth and heaven. Within and without. If you are walking around under shame of sin that you have repented of, and been forgiven of, you are settling for a lesser form of grace than what God is offering you, and it is a curse. It's a curse. Redemption is being taken back from death at a price, 
And the price was the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He paid that price in full and he did so gladly. If Christ is taking on that full payment for our sins, what business do we have only taking a portion of that offered freedom? This is important. Because as many of us said that, that blessing earlier this morning and said, yes, we believe it. I hear otherwise. When I pray with you, when we speak, I hear otherwise. I hear people who believe that it can happen for someone else, but it can't happen for them. And that's a curse. It's not the truth. Amen? You hearing me this morning? Sorry for the new people. We're a little intense here. But we celebrate big time too. There's a lot to celebrate. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Like I said, if Christ is taking on the full payment, what business do we have only taking on partial freedom? It's not freedom at all. It's bondage. That's living under the lie that that is for them and it is not for me. It can't be for me with all of the things that I've done. It can't be for me for all of the things that I've survived. It can't be. It can't wash me. I'm dirty. I'm unworthy. I'm unclean. I'm condemned. I'm not good enough. Not worth the price of being saved. I know this is resonating with some of us this morning. And I would go so far as to say this. Not taking on the full redemptive gift of Christ is a curse. By not accepting that full blessing, you are accepting half, which will curse you. And this is why. Listen. You will grow frustrated that you are not walking in complete freedom. And you will turn that frustration towards God. He's offering it to you, and you are not taking it. It will curse you. You will take that frustration, and you will take it, and you will turn it towards God. By not accepting a full truth, it is saying, you know better than God. It's saying he couldn't possibly understand the ugliness that you've survived or the evil that you have personally perpetrated. By not taking on that full covering, we are actually spitting on the death of Jesus Christ. Are we offended? Technically, Zach gave me permission, so. Are we offended this morning? I understand it's uncomfortable. And it's uncomfortable because this is what it takes to knock off some of the religion, the religion that is choking out the movement of God in our city. It's religion that says we must behave before we're accepted. It's religion that says that we cannot take that offered freedom in its fullness because we don't deserve it. It's religion. And I curse it and I renounce it in Jesus' name. Amen? Some of us are walking around holding on to shame of things that we've been forgiven of and we think that that's okay. We think that that's holy. We think that that's righteous. To hold on to partial shame or partial forgiveness. We think it's okay to still feel bad about some of the things that we've been forgiven of. And that is wrong. I hope you're hearing me this morning. I hope this is freeing you. I hope that some shackles are falling off and you are getting rocked to your core. This is what the Lord has for you this morning. If you are in Christ, when he looks at you, he doesn't see adulterer. He doesn't see murderer, liar, thief, gossip. He doesn't see that. He looks at you and he sees my child. He sees a child of God. That's what you're called. He looks at you and he sees a child 
and he's caught up wondering why some of us are rejecting full freedom and it is breaking his heart. It is breaking his heart to see some of us struggle in bondage, in brokenness, when his freedom is fully available to us every day. Verse 17, set them apart in the truth. Your word is truth. From the word of the Lord, say this out loud after me. Christ died for me. I bless myself with a deep knowing and conviction of the truth of Christ's love for me. When I confess, when I repent, I am fully forgiven. I am washed clean. I believe it, I receive it, amen. The truth is what sets us apart. We need to spend more time blessing ourselves, just like that's what we just did, y'all, blessing ourselves with God's truth. Then we do repulsing the work of the Holy Spirit by rejecting the full pardon that God has purchased for us through Christ on the cross. We need to know that the truth of God is in us and it's for us. Now listen, in the last six months, we have seen more people come through takeover in need of deliverance than we have ever seen before, ever. And we've been going for five years. I know generally the church at large doesn't really like to talk about the devil or demons or, you know, a spiritual force that hates you and wants to crush you into oblivion. We do that here at TakeOver. And they certainly don't like to talk about deliverance. But hear me. If we believe in a supernatural force called the Holy Spirit and that that force, the very Spirit of God, can be welcome to live on the inside of us, speak to us, alter us, and empower us to do supernatural things. Why for one moment are the people of God play acting like there isn't a real enemy with real spiritual forces of his own that he is waiting to snag us with and oppress us and torment us? Yeah? I mean, think about it. Jesus all throughout the New Testament, read it, what did he do? He healed and he delivered. Matthew eight sixteen, When it was evening, evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word. And he healed all who were sick. Now, I almost call this message, I've seen too much to not believe. Because I have seen it. I have seen it, y'all. And if we aren't, one, fully embracing what God says about us, and two, speaking and blessing ourselves with those same truths, there are holes in us that are meant to get filled with those truths. And it's, if it's not getting filled with a truth, it's going to get filled with a lie. Yeah? It's going to get filled with something else that is not holy. If you don't believe that the blood of Christ is enough to cover an abortion that you had, the drug addiction that you are fighting to recover from, or the confusion that you have felt in your sexual identity, the enemy will have an untruth that he will plug and jam into that hole of unbelief. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me this morning? Believing that you can never fully recover or be forgiven of an abortion or two, possibly even leading you into believing that abortion isn't a sin is a lie. A lie that you can't be, for, that you can't be forgiven from that. A lie that will drive you in deeper into apostasy and not calling sin, sin. 
In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, forgiving us our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness, all. There's no asterisk that says not abortion. There's no asterisk that says not racism, not murder. There is no asterisk. It says all. Believing that drug addiction is somehow your identity, that's who you are, and you carry that shame every day of your life, it's a lie. It's a lie. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, so then if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look, what is new has come. Praise God. Praise God. If you've struggled with same-sex attraction, possibly been in a same-sex relationship, the world and even the church, God have mercy, can tell you that that is not a sin and that you can still remain holy. That is a lie. That is a lie from Satan. That is a lie from the enemy. Ephesians 4, through 24. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And this isn't me standing here saying those things are easy to walk through. I'm not saying that. We all have things. I'm showing you that there are real, actionable ways to combat the lies of the enemy. Those holes that the enemy just wants to jam with all of the untruths, those need to be prized out and filled with the truth of God. We need to do deep, deep constant soul searching where we find those lies and those curses that we have believed and we are pulling that garbage out and we are consistently renewing our minds with the truth of what God says. Sin in our lives leads to the doors of our soul being left open and things will just walk right in and make themselves at home. We believe it because it's in the Bible. We believe it because we've seen it. We've seen too much to not believe. Sometimes deliverance is needed. Sometimes it is. Other times, what it takes is us consistently, time and time again, doing the constant work of removing and renewing. Removing and renewing. Repentance and confession. Freedom and healing. Resist the devil and he will flee. He will go. If he can't get a stronghold or a foothold, he will go. He will find a different target that is easier for him to attach to. I'll say this. If you're afraid of spiritual freedom from an oppressing spirit, don't be. I get it. A lot of people have seen The Exorcist. A lot of people have seen the Hollywood version of, of what this stuff looks like, okay? Do not be afraid. It doesn't always look like that. It doesn't. I've seen all kinds. <laughs> I've seen all kinds. And it's rare that it looks like anything like what Hollywood tells us it looks like. And I do think that there is a plan and a purpose to desensitize ourselves and make us afraid to that because we don't want to believe that this is real. Yeah? It's more shameful to live under the oppression than it is to undergo the process of being freed from oppression. I'll be honest, deliverance is not my favorite thing. <laughs> it's just not. I would much more rather um, see just miraculous healings literally all the time, which we do. We do see healings, and I am grateful for that. But perhaps takeover is here for such a time as this for great biblical supernatural awakening. Not weirdness, okay? Because we're not about that. We don't do that here. Biblical 
supernatural awakening. I know how important physical healing is, but being first and foremost spiritual beings, maybe spiritual healing is more important than the physical healing that will come afterwards. Amen? Seeing a person come here in torment, having done all that they can to flee from sin and still being, still struggling, takes my heart out. God has given his people gifts with great purpose. Verse 18, just as you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. Purpose, intent, and provision. There is a plan. There's a plan for you and for your ministry and for the gifts that God has given you. Identity-altering gifts, family-altering gifts, workplace-altering gifts, world-altering gifts. God establishes us. He gives us what we need to become like Christ, blesses us with insane supernatural power, and then sends us into the world to find other captives and with the love of Christ, set them free. Jesus had a, a ministry, a personal ministry, people he saw every day of his life, day in and day out, just like you. Your personal sphere of influence is your ministry. And there are people around you, people you may see every day who are watching how you live. They're watching how you speak to your spouse. They're watching how you direct your children. They're watching what you do and what you don't do. They are watching your life is a testimony. Loop, looping back to John 17, 14, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. We don't belong here anyway. We're just passing through, guys. We are just passing through. Our life is but a breath. Don't be afraid of rejection. Don't let rejection or curses make you question God. Don't let rejection drive you to question your identity, which first and foremost is in Christ, or even accept the half-truths that the enemy wants to embed in your soul so he can poison and he can torment you. Worship team, you can come on up. The more time you spend with, reject, with Jesus, the less rejection will matter to you, the less it will hurt you, the less it will cause a stirring in you. The more you don't fit into the world, and yes, the more you will be grateful for it. The more you see that you don't fit, the more grateful you will be for it, trust me, trust me. You will get to a point where the worldly things that you used to love will not satisfy you anymore, amen? personal sidebar here. I did a silly thing a couple months ago and I bought myself and Matt tickets to a rock concert because I have rock and roll in my soul. Thanks dad. Got that from you. And initially I was very excited to attend. I was very excited to go to this place. But as the weeks wore on and it got closer to the date, I started wondering what the heck I was doing. What was I doing? so goofy. Why did I spend that money on those tickets to go to this thing? I even considered selling these tickets. I thought about selling them and just not going because I'm old and crusty. I was just like, I don't want to deal with this. And Matt was like, no, you wanted to, we're going to do it. Let's go. It'll be fun. So we drove down to Detroit. Mandy came and she watched our puppies and Wayne, they watched our puppies. And we walked into the arena and immediately, immediately I felt it. I felt the people, I saw the people. I felt the reason, the presence that they were there for. I felt my spirit rise up in the personal dissatisfaction that I felt going into this place. There were lights, there were pyrotechnics, there was all the flash and bang that you'd expect from a rock concert people on stage were insanely, insanely talented, yet they weren't singing about Jesus. 
and not to sound cheesy and prudish, the people gathered there were not gathered to sing about our risen Lord, (laughs) which is what I do, we do every week. And it just felt weird. It just felt really, really weird. The glamour had lost its luster. It was a celebration of all the worldly things that I no longer loved or cared about. Being honest, we left early. <laughs> we drove two and a half hours and we, <laughs> we left early, y'all. And as we walked back to the car, I just was describing to Matt how weird, how weird that felt to be in that place and not be worshiping Jesus and look out and see that that's what the heaven is gonna look like. That many people together singing songs about Jesus, but they weren't. They weren't singing about Jesus. And how years, just a few years ago, going to something like that, I could enjoy myself. I could feel, I could resonate. And I can't anymore. And Matt just simply said, pulling out of the parking lot very quietly, as I turn my eyes upon Jesus, look full into his wonderful face, the things of this world grow grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. There are things that we love in this life, but the more we focus on our first love, which is Jesus. Nothing really compares to him at all anymore. You lose your appetite for it. Even if the thing is not outright sin, hear me, not sin. It just doesn't feed you the same way because you've got something else that you are snacking on. (laughs) It is not of this world. And the things of this world, they will not impress you. They will begin to grow strangely dim. Hopefully you don't have to learn in such a costly way like I did, but I don't regret it for one second. I gladly burn that money if it means that I learned this lesson. The Lord spoke to me deeply that night that I am truly set apart I have known no other master. He is the only one. I have found the treasure in the field, the pearl of great price. It is the riches of God that captivates me and feeds me now in ways the world never will. And I wanted all the people there to be in on it. I wanted them to feel that. And I pray someday that they will, including the young men that were on the stage. The last thing I want to do today is this. If we could have somebody go get everybody out of kids, I want to bless our house this morning. I'm going to start with the fellas. Fellas, come on up to the front here. Come on up, come on up. Don't be afraid. We're not weirdos. We're certainly not going to bite you. It's true. Come on up, guys. Come on up. If you want to just put a a hand on your brother to the left or to the right. Come on, Santi. Come on, buddy. Come on, baby. This is for you, too. I want you to hear this blessing, and I want you to receive it. Okay? Hear me. I renounce the lies of the enemy. That being a man means notches in your belt, macho gym rat crap, looking at pornography, making other men feel inferior, being harsh and never crying. I renounce that in the name of Christ. I bless you in the name of Jesus with the spiritual and biblical masculinity deep rooted in the history of our people, God's people, masculinity. I bless you with the ability to lead and to lead well. I bless you with ears that hear the voice of God and cause you to act. I bless you with the desire to be a protector and an advocate for women. 
and if married to serve the wife of your youth all the days of your life and desire no others before her. I bless you with bravery that is so startling and so wonderful that it begins to change the look of our world today. I bless you with a tender heart for fellowship with your brother and mercy and kindness for your now and future children. I bless you with the mind of Christ, that your innocence would be restored to you, your faith bolstered, and that you would believe fully and truly, truly the wealth and the mercy of grace that you have available to you in the blood of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I bless you, I bless you, I bless you, amen. Amen. As you make your way back to your seats, ladies, please come forward. Ladies, don't be afraid. Come forward, come forward, come forward. You don't wanna leave this place without your blessing. Come forward. I would say 80% of our lives are filled with cursing. People cursing us not believing in us, not seeing us. Come forward, ladies, come forward. We not, gotta make some room. Come on up, come on up. The Lord is stirring on my heart how important it is for us to bless each other and to bless ourselves. Yes? This is my favorite group here. I'm a little biased. Sorry, guys. Women, sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, if you put your hand on the person that is to the left or the right in front of you this morning, come on forward, come on forward. I renounce the lies of the enemy that you are ugly. Too thin, too fat, too short, too tall, too whatever. I renounce it in Jesus' name that you are undesirable, unseen, weak, undeserving. I renounce any claim on your heart that being single is a bad thing, that you live only to find a soulmate. I curse rejection in Jesus' name. Be it a father, a mother, a friend, a sister. I curse rejection. I bless you with the understanding that you are a great strength, designed to be a great strength. Enough, just as you are. I bless you with the knowledge that you are here with a purpose. You are a daughter of the Most High. He loves you, he favors you, he has blessings in his hands just for you. I bless you with the ability and desire to forgive and to forgive quickly. I bless you with bravery in a world that tries to tell you you are weak and tries to tell you you have to act like a man to get respect. I bless you with unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit that is so precious to God. If you are or desire to be married, I bless you with a desire to love and honor your husband and to raise your children in truth and earnestly seek after the things of God all the days of your life. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Now, as we go into our last song of worship, this morning, at, if at any point you felt the Holy Spirit highlight one of those holes we were talking about that's been jammed up with an untruth. I want you to come forward. I'm gonna have our leadership come up here to the front. I want you to renounce whatever that lie or that curse is that you've been believing. I want you to renounce it in Jesus' name. They're gonna stand in the gap with you and they're going to bless you. They're gonna bless you with something different to fill that hole. Amen? It's time to break the cycle of cursing. It's time to unleash the spiritual blessings in our church over our people, over ourselves. Amen? 
If we can have leadership come up. Jesus, I thank you so much. I thank you so much, God, for your word, for how you showed us how to pray to the Father. Father, we love you. We thank you that right now in this moment you are curse, you are breaking the cycle of curses. You are restoring the cycle of blessings. Jesus, you are working so powerfully within us by the Spirit of God to pull out those untruths and to help us reinsert the blessings of God, that you are for us, not against us, that your freedom in its fullness is available to all of us, that as you act for one, you act for all, that we are in this world, but not of this world. Jesus, we love you and we worship you. In your mighty name we pray, amen, amen, amen.